Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching. In this series, we will be studying the book of Malachi, where he gives a call to the people of God to return to the Lord. This book is full of hard rebuke and hopeful promise of the coming Messiah. We welcome you to subscribe and join us each Lord's Day so that you don't miss a single Sunday. We're discussing the day of His coming. Malachi is a book of prophecy, one of the final prophecies before the coming of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. There has been stern rebuke in this book, and this morning we have much the same accompanied with rich promise of blessing. And so uh, there's a lot for us to consider in these verses 1 through 5, Malachi chapter 3, 1 through 5. And so if you've turned there in your copy of God's Word, I welcome you to stand as we honor the reading of it. God says through Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that, that you meet with us. God, we have gathered here to worship. Be in our presence, Lord, as you promise. Lord, we pray that we would not merely hear some good things or uplifting things, but Father, that we would encounter the living God in the pages of this Word, which is living and active. Father, show us Yourself. Be this witness among us today. Lord, that our lives 
that our worship would be an acceptable and pleasing offering to you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. As we continue studying Malachi, it really is important that each part is taken within the context of the entire letter. He's building upon what he has said in the weeks past. Each week we we have some new piece of the puzzle, something more that builds this theology and this exhortation that's drawing us to the Christ who is coming, who has come in our case. And now is the point where we said last week maybe there was a point of transition where Malachi has turned from just what was rebuke to now what anticipates the coming of Christ. This morning in chapter 3, we have that given explicitly to us. He writes, I will send my messenger that will prepare the way. This is John the Baptist. We know this. Uh, Scripture attests to him very well in the Gospel of John uh, very clearly. It says he is the one that prepares the way. He was not the light, but would bear witness to the light. And yet the Lord whom they sought would come suddenly to His temple. Now the Lord, that term only belongs to one. And that's Christ who is one with God the Father. So the first thing, if you're following along in the bulletin, I've given a few points of interest that you may fill in, but but really the study is more broad than these three points. But the first thing we should notice is that Christ is our swift Savior. We mentioned this last week amid all of the turmoil that Levi and Judah and really all of Israel had experienced. And frankly, we could go into a lot of the historical significance and in what happened in the life of Israel, the way that, that God had accomplished what He had promised and handing them over to their enemies. And, and we see the way in which they fell and were again incarcerated. Having been a people brought out of the land of Egypt, Israel would fall to Assyria and Judah would fall to Babylon. And, and we know the way history goes and the way that they were subjected to these things is they waited for this coming Savior And yet what must be remembered is that God is not slow to judge. That was where we closed our study last week. But it's not just the judgment that we're waiting upon. The desire of God's people is the presence of their Savior. It's not just a good time. It's not just comforts or blessing. It's Christ. Christ is the reward. Christ is the gift. Christ is the goal. He's the accomplishment. He's the promise. He is the blessing. Christ is this swift Savior. 
Now our word tells us that this Lord whom they seek will come suddenly into his temple. So he's not slow in his coming. If you read the Gospel of John, among a number of themes, one that you see throughout the Gospel is this constant dialogue of Christ Himself saying, My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come until finally the hour of my glory is at hand. The Scriptures bear witness that at the right time, God sent His Son. He is not slow. He is our swift Savior. God has decreed everything. A time for everything pertaining to our salvation. He's not been slothful or lazy in accomplishing it. What's more, whenever we understand Christ as Savior and what He's seeking to accomplish, now here's where I want you to remember all that we've talked about. I'll just refresh you. He deals first with Levi. These are the priesthood. These are the ones that would give offering to God. And they had cheapened it. They had made it obligatory. They had even spurned the law and broken the law in the way they would offer the sacrifice. They would give what was not the first fruits, what was not without spot or wrinkle or blemish. They would give what was taken by violence or offer that which was strangled, which is explicitly against the law. And God dealt with them. He dealt with the corruption of the offering and the way that they misunderstood their holy God. He he then addressed Judah, who would be the line that would provide Christ to us, the bloodline where we would receive this one who's being promised here. And he addressed their failure, the impurity of their offerings that they would bring to the Levites to offer before the Lord and their false worship. He addressed the, the impure intent of their heart. How, how they too had despised or scorned really the offering altogether. What the value was. What it would look like. And so really we see it's quite understandable that Israel would misunderstand who this coming Christ would be or what He would look like. For they had so uh, just demolished or defaced the sacrifice that was a picture of the coming Christ. So God had addressed through Malachi this purity of worship and how it had so little to do with the rams and the bulls and the blood that they would spill, but it had to do with the intent of their heart, the way that they would relate to God, this holy God who was their Redeemer. So He's addressed these things and now he says, I send a Savior. So again, let's not, let's not separate that from the heart issue that's going on within his people, the way that he wants to draw them to himself, the way he wants to restore them to a pure worship, to a love of God, to an obedience of the commandment that actually said and was, was uh, summarized not in all of their offerings, but it was summarized in loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
So what does this look like? Or to be more clear, how could we say that the New Testament writers interpret Old Testament passages like this for us? I would like to point you to a few texts this morning that maybe you can make note of if you enjoy taking notes. With this idea of the Lord coming into His temple, which was quite familiar. It was quite familiar to Israel who would remember the tabernacle or the stories of the tabernacle, uh, the way in which there would be a, a, a inner holy of holies that the high priest could go into once a year and the smoke would come down and it would fill that holy of holies. They would see this presence of God. The same would occur once through the course of time as God had commissioned the building of a temple with stone. And yet He, from the beginning, has promised a temple not made with human hands. And they were some... They were hundreds of years without the presence of God in their midst. Hundreds of years where the smoke didn't fill the temple. And now there's this promise of God coming into His temple. Suddenly, His presence dwelling there. And yet promises of temples made not with human hands. In Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he writes, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He's talking about Jesus Christ. But then he turns to the Christian and he says, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The Christian are like living stones that are being built up into a holy place for God. You might mark down Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built up Upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. This is the way that the New Testament interprets the Old Testament for us. It begins to make perfect sense what they've been teaching us is that God was building His temple and it would begin with Christ. It would follow with the foundation of the apostles that would be preserved in His Word and it would include every member of the body of Christ that is the church. And the Lord would come into the midst of His temple, into the midst of His people. If you're taking notes, you might 
Also note 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 16. Paul writes, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Malachi says, the Lord will come suddenly into his temple. I'm trying to get you to see, Christian, that you are that temple that has been promised by God. And it is a very rich blessing to hear Malachi preach to God's people that the Lord will come and be in your midst. This isn't metaphor. It's straight from Scripture. How many must we read from? The Lord sends His Savior. This is what He's saying. And so we see now, if it's true that we are this temple of God, and the Lord's going to come into His temple, which would leave the Israelites scratching their heads or putting faith and trust in the temple that was built with human hands, the temple that Christ said, I will tear down and build up again in three days. You see, it makes perfect sense. Whenever the Lord says that He will come and be in His temple suddenly, and what will He do? He will purify the offering. Now, isn't this interesting? The Lord comes into His temple. It is the message, the one of this covenant. And yet there's a test. This work matters. We've read if we are a temple, this work is tested. It's made sure. Well, we know that it's refined. We, we know that only the precious stones can stand it. And you know what the work of refining does. The work of refining is that which is, it comes by heat. And pressure. And it burns out the stubble. It burns out the impurities. And, and the air and the ash and everything else comes to the top and is removed. And so all of this, we've already addressed the rebuke. We've already, we already know what the sins of the people are. But now he says there's coming a messenger 
And, I, and the Lord will be suddenly the Lord that you seek, the Lord who's speaking, will be in his temple, and he will be like a refiner. He's testing all of this work. And what does that testing look like? Does it look like prettier goats? Does it look like more perfect lambs? Does it look like a greater abundance of doves or scapegoats or bulls? No, he tells us what it looks like. Interestingly, as our study has involved the address or rebuke or exhortation of Levi, the priesthood, and of Judah, look at what Malachi says now. He will be as this refiner and he shall purify the sons of Levi. He will purify the priesthood. He will make right again the offering to himself. He will correct what has been done wrong. All of the rebuke that he's delivered to the priesthood, he now says he himself will rectify that there will be once again a pleasing aroma before the Lord. You, you've got to get this. This isn't something that's passive. It's not something that we should look over. It's one of the final words before the coming of Christ. He will purify this offering. A priesthood that has cheapened His grace that has looked everywhere else, and now we're talking about the coming of Christ who is the purifier of our faith. Can I remind you, let's turn again to Ephesians chapter 2. Now this is where I just read to you that, that we are being built up, we're being framed together into a holy temple, a, a, a holy habitation of God through the Spirit. So, so you're being built up into this temple, but what is it that conditions the building of the people of God as a temple? Let's read from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You... The believer, Paul says, hath he Christ quickened. Who were dead in trespasses in sins. Where in times past you walked according to the course of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. In the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. A drawing together, not alone. He's quickened you together and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places 
in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come we might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Malachi has said he will purify the offering. But he will purify not just Levi, not just the priesthood, but we read, then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old as in the former years. The Lord will purify the hearts of His people. This was the issue with Judah. They no longer loved the Lord. They they didn't have any of these things. They had cheapened all of this. And, and before Levi even got a hold of their offering, and before they could even take the cheap offerings, and before they even refused to guard the offering, and before they refused to fence the table, the hearts of the people were stained and blackened. This is what God says He will purify. In the hearts of his people, they will give an offering that is pleasing to him. You know, we talk often about the, the, the mark of our sin, the blackness, the darkness of the soul. And that is so very true. And yet, Christian, you must know what Christ has accomplished is he has made you pleasing to God. What a rich blessing. We can say, given the text that we've just read from, Jesus makes us an offering to the Lord. We have read that He builds you, Christian, up into this holy temple. This gathering that we call the church, the word is gathering. It's not this building. It's not you by yourself. It is the people of God that are built up into a holy habitation that is pleasing to the Lord. You have fellowship and you have good works that you should walk in them. You are a, a blessing. You are an offering to God. I hope you can see why it is that the writers of the New Testament, whenever they speak of all that would happen in the Christian life, and, and, and they revisit the gospel, and they, they fall to their knees in such prayer and song, it's interesting that I would call your attention, you may make a note of Romans 12.1, but even before Romans 12.1, Paul has broken into song 
over the matter. When he's discussing how rich these things are, he stops in the middle of his teaching and says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And He says this, Christian, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. The offering is made in the midst of the temple. All of this language is drawn together for the reason to get you, the Christian, to see what Christ has accomplished. If these scriptures have not been enough, Christ Himself has borne witness All of this is accomplished and thank God because of the failures of Israel that God Himself would bear the witness. Listen to what Malachi has said. And I will come near to you still dwelling on the fact that God has come to dwell in the midst of His people to come suddenly into His temple that He would build by the blood of his own son, he says, I will come near to you to judgment and I will be a swift witness against all of these sorcerers and swearers, adulterers and, and all of these oppressors. First see again, Christ is the faithful witness because he is the swift witness. He's one who swoops in in the hour of need. Listen, when you're a Christian, you don't have need of these fictional heroes. You have Christ, a swift witness, one who's not slow, one who's already interceding at the throne on your behalf. He's a faithful witness because He's the swift witness. He's the ever-present witness witness who has never left your side lo I am with you always even to the end of the age he promised and yet he's never left his throne where he intercedes on your behalf he's swift and ever present in your time of need Christ is the faithful witness because he is the witness to God's law and justice all of this law that has been scorned by the priesthood and the people of God He's a witness to it. He was there when the law was written. Don't forget, Christian, Christ is the Word incarnate. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God through whom all things were made. He was there when you and everything was spoken into existence. 
He was there when the law was written on Mount Sinai. He was there as the word of God was spoken through the prophets. He bears testimony against God's law and justice. It is Christ who will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so, as Malachi has already said, who can stand? Who will stand in that day? Where they bear their own sin, where they bear their own iniquity, who may abide the day of His coming? And who shall stand when He appeareth? For He is like a refiner's fire. Amid all the wildfires, Canada has not seen a fire like they shall see in Christ. And if He is this judgment according to the law and the justice of God, well then this is against all of our oppressors. Now it doesn't give any of these impure worshipers leeway or freedom to continue their impure or imperfect worship. But listen to the promise. that He's this swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the orphan. And those that turn the stranger aside from his due. You see the face of God. What a rich blessing that he comes to dwell in the midst of his people. And yet, who can stand who has the face of God turned against them? So he is this faithful witness. This is why no one escapes. This is why Paul says in Romans, there is no one without excuse because there is a faithful and a swift witness that comes against them who bears testimony. If it's true that Christ intercedes on your behalf for all of your petty sins that maybe still lack repentance, or maybe you have not yet walked in the good works He has prepared for you as He builds you up into this holy temple that He will refine by fire, if it's true, He's sitting here holding you up and petitioning your cause and your case before the Lord daily, what must it be like if it is His Word that brings judgment and petitions God's wrath against you? Christ is a faithful witness Witnesses, judge, and one who intervenes on our behalf. So there is no excuse. Now I'm speaking to the believer, to the Christian who's sitting here this morning. There is no excuse. This is the promise that you've been given. Christ has come. We're not waiting on Him. He has come into His temple. He has built it. The cornerstone is here. The foundation has been laid. And His people are built and thriving. Now we are offering worship. 
and we're only waiting on the capstone who is Christ, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who will finish this glorious temple so that at the name of Christ every knee would bow and every tongue confess. There remains no excuse. You've had your warning. You who are this spiritual stone built up in this holy habitation, this holy temple of God, Now you have one who witnesses against your work and will try it as by fire. Now listen, this is a good and a glorious thing. This is a good thing. Just as woods grow strong by by a forest fire, the refining purifies that which is imperishable. Thank God we read in Peter that you have been redeemed not by that which is perishable, but the imperishable in the blood of Jesus Christ. So what you have been redeemed in and by does not perish. You will withstand the fire. So the fire is a good thing in order to wipe away what sin remains. Christ is this witness. And He does this in His work. Now listen, this is This draws together a lot of theology. But I want you to understand the good work that God sought to do from old is the good work that He still seeks to do in this new covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ that is accomplished through, by Christ, in and through His church as He continues to work in us. How shall I prove it to you? What if you were to read on into next week's sermon? How do we know this is the same message, the same goal of God? God has told them, and you will hear next week, Malachi 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see, there is a rich inheritance that is due you. Many of us pray to God on a regular basis. We ask God, what would you have me to do? When will you come? What are you doing in our nation? What are you doing within the church? He's doing what He always has done. He has called you. Sought you and bought you. He has set you within the context of His people so that you would sit under the regular preaching of His Word so that you would be refined and what sin remains would be purified, that you would be sanctified, awaiting the day that He would come to glorify you. How much is not being accomplished in your life because of your lack of repentance? Repentance. 
This Christ that we so adore, he says, the Lord whom you seek, whom you desire. Some translations read. And they desire the one who will refine them, who will set them free from sin, who will no longer allow them to be burdened, have their consciences burdened by sin, who will no longer be so afflicted by the regular monotonous and ever-growing temptation. Do you realize you can be set free from that? Do you realize the purer and the harder the stone the more impenetrable it is. This is why we're a house built on the rock. The waves can come, and yet they do not tear it down. Listen, are you getting this? Are you getting your your Bible? How many Scriptures are flooding your mind? How is the Spirit preaching to you this morning? Thomas Watson preacher, I believe, of the 16th century. He said, a gracious soul labors to make the worst of his sins, but hypocrites make the best of them. He's got a wonderful teaching because what he is saying here is that how often, Christian, have you come to the Lord and apologized for your sin? But not repented. How often have you come to the Lord and felt bad because of the fear of consequence of your sin and not repented? You might realize your sin is wrong. Have you confessed it? Every sin. Or do you confess your poor circumstances? Oh Lord, I'm weak. I've sinned. So it's understandable. All that we have read in this exhortation of Malachi bids us to be refined. He preaches this at the coming of Christ. How much more will this be true after Christ has come? You are a glorious habitation for the Lord. Don't forget that, Christian. Live like this. Glorify Christ. Don't live any longer. Put yourself with all of your sin to death that you might live in Christ Jesus. That it's no longer you, but Christ in you. Do you see what the Scriptures teach? Understand, Christian, the Lord is coming again. He's coming again, but we're not waiting on Him in the same way that Israel waited on Him. You see, that coming has already been accomplished. That time for for purification, it's, it's now. We're already there. That time is here. When Christ comes, it won't be the work of sanctification. It will be for the work of glorification and that of damnation. So the time for purification is now. 
That you would turn from your sin. That you would have the faith in Christ as if the second Adam is stronger than the first. That this Christ is strong enough to overcome your sin. He's not a weak Jesus that we have just read about. He is one with brazen skin who has eyes like fire and who has a sword of His Word that proceeds out of His mouth. That is what we read about in the second coming of Christ in Revelation. Let us come before the Lord and prepare accordingly. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we pray as we read all of this rich exhortation and blessing and promise and encouragement and rebuke. Lord, that we would be prepared. Lord, we pray that just as You would come into Your temple, Lord, that You would do so this day. Father, that we would gather and we would gather frequently. Lord, that we would yearn to be with the body where you have brought us to be built up in Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray that in our gathering, the name of Christ is spoken and is magnified. Lord, that you would be more than a t-shirt or a sticker. Father, that you would be our cornerstone, our priest, our king, our swift savior, and our faithful witness. Father, teach us to depend upon Christ. Teach us to long for your face. Lord, teach us to run after you. Father, I pray, Lord, that your work would be finished and that you would return to glorify this holy habitation. Lord, that you would return to seal the building and the promise. Lord, that you would mold us into this acceptable offering that we might put a smile on your face. Father, so glorify yourself in us this week, in our families, in our children, in our spouses. Lord, those who maybe have been pushed far off, let them return to the love they had at first. Lord, we ask all of this your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at New Life Preaching Podcast. We welcome you to return each Lord's Day as we study the book of Malachi and the call to return to the Lord. 